Well, good morning. It is good to be up here again. My name is Josh. I serve as student pastor here at East Point. Um, it hasn't been too long since I've been up here, just a few weeks. So uh, glad that uh, Chris at least wasn't here, but um, I think he listened and maybe heard that it, that it wasn't a complete train wreck, just slightly. And so he was like, well, we'll book you again. We'll try, we'll try again. So um, uh, Merry Christmas. It's almost that time. It's a great time of year. Um, I love what Chris said a few weeks ago. Um, you know, this, this series, uh, we're an expositional teaching church, so we're going to walk through Scripture, um, and we're walking through the, the, the Christmas story as seen in, in Luke chapter 2. I love it. He's like, you know, I want to bring this crazy new insight and these, this crazy cool sermon series to you. What we want to do is just like concentrate on Jesus. We want to take a moment to concentrate on Jesus, and, and that's what I want to do. And like, I mean, don't, don't you just love that when Jesus shows up to his birthday party, he brings all the gifts, right? Like, that's, that is the picture of the Christmas story to me, is that when Jesus shows up, like, he's the one that's bringing the gifts. Kate's, uh, Kate is our daughter. Um, her birthday was on Friday. And, um, you know, as a, as a dad, I'm allowed to think about things like this. But, like, when we named her and Rachel was like, hey, let's name her Kate, I was like, so not, not Katie, right? She's like, no, no, we're not doing anybody Katie, no offense, but that wasn't us. This wasn't our daughter. It was just going to be Kate, not Catherine. We love Catherines, but her name is Kate, just Kate. And, um, and so I, as the dad, for seven years of her life, looked forward to the moment that she was going to turn eight. Because I was like, Kate, this is it. Like, girl, you get a whole year to introduce yourself and say, I'm Kate, I'm eight. And I was like, it's going to be great, right? You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And um, we worked on it. Like, she would, she would say it to me in the car, and I'd be like, okay, you just got to go up and say it to somebody. Hey, I'm Kate, I'm eight. Like, you're going to, like, it's, it's like an adrenaline rush. Well, like, it never really caught on. It really wasn't her thing. But on Friday, she turned nine. And so she said, I think when she woke up Friday, she said, I'm Kate, and I'm nine, but I'm great, you know? So... <laughs> Um, it was her birthday party, and we had grandparents over um, Friday night, and like we, we sat around, and if you've had kids, you know, like at a birthday party, you almost got to tie them down to not open up gifts, and Rachel said at one point, can we, can we just please go open the gifts now, because like Kate is busting at the seams, she wants to open the gifts. I just imagine like us getting around and surrounding this child, and then her begin to like give gifts out, like, hey, it's my party, but... Dad, I know you want, like, an Xbox, so here you go, and, like, you know, here's, here's, Grandma, here's, like, a jewelry necklace, or whatever, like, I just, that is so silly t- to me to imagine, but, like, when Jesus shows up, he brings, um, my birthday is uh, Christmas Eve, and so that's a shameless plug, but also, you're all, in, you're all invited to my birthday party next week, right here at 1030, Chris is obliged to host it. And um, no, uh, it's, it's not actually going to be about me. It's, it's going to be about Jesus. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom always told me, and she's here, so hey, mom, um, you guys can say hi to her all at once, hopefully, at some point. But um, she would always say, hey, you were the best Christmas gift I've ever gotten. And um, my brothers wholeheartedly disagreed with that and still do to this day. But like, I just remember thinking, like, honest to goodness, like the best gift we've ever gotten, he provided to us. So we pick up the story today in Luke chapter 2, 
Um, this, the, the passage that we're focusing on today is 15 through 20, but in order to like grasp the context of that, and I hope that you will need that, if, if, for those of us that were here last week that might have slept a time or two this week, like you will probably need some context to refresh. So we're going to back up at 8, and we're going to read part of 8, um, and then we'll read our main passage, which will begin in 15. So in verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, and they were, they were keeping watch um, over their flock by night. About, about five to six miles south of Jerusalem is a little village that is called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is surrounded by many fields and, and, and actually many, many caves in these fields. And, and in those fields and caves, shepherds would keep their flocks. And so oftentimes, like during the day, they would bring them out to the pasture and they would graze, but at night they would retreat into these, into these dark caves. And most of us like, don't know and, and don't experience utter darkness in our world because we're surrounded in the city and, and lights and there's always light. And, um, but like they were in they would bring their, their flocks into the caves, and, and there's no light. And so they were just in this icky, thick, inky, black darkness. And, and in verse 9 it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And I know you studied this last week, just review. Angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But the, the glory of God, like the shining, radiant Light of God Himself shone in every direction. That that word there for shone around them is actually a word that means it's it, it shown to the north and to the south and to the east and to the west. So it literally shone all around them. And I just want you. This is just side note. Like when when Jesus comes, like His birth, like the birth of Jesus, the one gift He brings is He brings light to darkness, right? Like and, and, and when He enters into your life, He brings light to darkness. Um, when he comes into your life, he changes your life. He changes every part of your story. In fact, when Jesus comes into the world, he changes every part of the calendar and every part of history. In fact, I, I read that so, someone once said um, that if you take Christ out and remove Christmas, then December would be the bleakest and, and colorless month of the year. But because of Jesus, the season is filled with joy and light. I was traveling down 23rd Street where the new Twister movie is being filmed. Anybody see this? Uh, you've noticed what they've done on the ground. They've painted it green, right, just to, 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 to emulate the, the spring season. But I was just thinking about, like, because of Jesus, this season is filled with color and joy and hope. In the end of verse 9, though, the shepherds, they were filled, it says, the Scripture says, with great fear. Um, now, if you were guarding your sheep in the dark, in the middle of a night, in a cave, or even in the open field, um, and you had the glory of the Lord, light shining in every direction, I'm sure that you would be pretty frightened too. Um, and the fear that they experienced wasn't just fear, but it was, the scripture says, a great fear. The CSB actually says that they were terrified. And the angel shows up and he says to them, fear not. Why? Because I bring you good 
news of great joy. The angel showed up at the birth of Jesus Christ in the midst of the fear of the shepherds. He says, fear not. Side note, side study, I did this, I just want to share it with you because it's great. Like those two words, I don't think there are two greater words to describe the Christmas season than fear not. We see it over and over in the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, if you back up to Luke chapter 1, verse 13, there's a man named Zechariah who is a priest, who it's his turn, it's every priest's dream, it's his turn in the temple um, of Jerusalem, the time and the day, it was his chance to offer incense for the people of Israel. And he goes into the altar and he sees an angel of God standing on the altar. And when he saw that, he was so afraid. He was terrified. And the angel says to him, fear not. See, Zechariah and his wife were old. They were elderly people. And they had been praying for years and years that God would give them a son, but they had gone childless all of those years. Yet, God shows up through his angel and told Zechariah, fear not, your prayers have been answered. Promised to give Elizabeth a son, um, even in her old age. She would eventually give birth to a man named John, who would later become known to us, at least, as John the Baptist, who would become the forerunner of Jesus. And so fear not, Zechariah. Don't, don't be afraid to keep trusting. Don't be afraid to keep praying. This is fear not. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel Gabriel shows up to um, Mary. It says, fear not. Why? Because you have found favor with God. And he begins to tell her that she would give birth, although she is a virgin, she would miraculously conceive to a son. And not just any son, but the actual son of God. And although she did not quite understand this, she didn't understand how it would work, she, the angel told her, fear not, because with God, nothing will be impossible. In Matthew's account, um, chapter 1, Mary's betrothed husband, Joseph, who lived in the same city um, in Nazareth, uh, found out that Mary's with child. He knew that that wasn't his child, and so he began to like try and figure out, what am I going to do? And so one night, uh, his mind was restless, and an angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, do, fear not, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid to obey God even when you don't understand. So this is the message of Christmas, right? We have fear not, don't, don't be afraid to trust God, to keep praying. Fear not, don't be afraid to trust God with the impossible, and fear not, don't be afraid to obey God. Obey God even when you don't understand it. And then we come to the shepherds where he says, Fear not because I bring you good news. Jesus shows up at Christmas time and he brings peace to our fears. Um, so let's turn our attention back to our main passage today. Luke chapter 2 verse 15. This is the story of the response of the shepherds after the, sh the light is shown to them. Um, and now what are they left to do? And let's read in verse 15. It says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and, when they, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them 
in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told. Um, let's just take a moment as a, as a congregation to pray and ask that God would like reveal truth to us today. So, Father, we love you. Um, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your scripture. Um, we thank you for the truth that is being revealed to the shepherds that will impact all of humanity. Um, we thank you, Lord, that when you um, sent your son, that it didn't just impact a few, but it impacted all, um, that it uh, uh, reverberated throughout history, um, Lord, the, the goodness of what you have offered. And so, Lord, we pray that as we um, study this today together, um, that you would illuminate things before us, uh, that you would reveal truth to us um, so that we can enter into relationship with you and grow closer with you and so that we can just concentrate. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I love how the scripture tells this story, this part. Um, in fact, when Chris sent me the passage, like verse 15 is what I first read, and I would spend time just reading it and thinking about verse 15. I just, I just love how it opens it. Like once the angels left them, I just, can you imagine the shepherds? Like after, I mean, being fearful and in, in the darkness, and then the glory of God shows up and shines to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and, like, like, and then it's gone. It's like, I mean, I was thought about like coming off of a spiritual high, coming off of the mountain, and then you're left back into darkness, and they kind of like look around, and they probably take some a minute to gain their eyesight back, because when it's dark, and then it goes really, really, really bright, and then back to dark, like you can't really say, is that you, James? I can't see, like, right, are you still close to me, or where's my herd? Like, there's probably a little bit of like silence and like just intake, like what, what just happened? And then like they kind of like look at each other, and they say what do we do now? Like, I just imagine, like, is one of them saying, all right, guys, you want to go catch the latest episode on Netflix? Like, no, that's not, that's not what happens. And, 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 you know, they, they're not like, well, maybe we should, I don't know, get around and head over to Bethlehem. No, like, that's not their response. And we'll talk about response in a minute, but it, it, it reads kind of funny. Like, the angels show up, there's this amazing experience, the light, the voices, the praising, the information that's given to them, um, and then they say this, they say, let's go to Bethlehem to see what has happened, and repeat it, and it's like, you know, the thing that we just witnessed, as if like someone needed a reminder for what they had just seen, like, let's, let's go see what happened. There are three things that I want to highlight to you, and, and, and the first one, so if you're taking notes, you, you can structure your outline this way, and that is, we see the humble beginnings of Jesus, now, this has been documented, and um, I'm sure that this has been spoken even in the series a little bit, but I do want to highlight it today, um, the humble way in which Jesus entered the world. And if we even think about the way that he exited the world in humility as well, Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages, uh, verses 6 through 8, says this, Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And I'm just going to pause here, yes, for dramatic effect, but also to, to highlight that like, there was humility in becoming a servant, which wasn't death yet. We're not talking about that. We're actually talking about just becoming a man. There was humility in entering the world as a man. Um, 
And then we move on to his death and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There's more humility here. Not only did he have to humble himself to become a man, but he also, there was humility in going out and in, in, in accepting death. There are some things in this passage that I want to point out that uh, speak to the humble beginning. And uh, I don't want to go over what Chris had said, because Chris, Chris did a great job in, in the first week of this, talking about the great contrast. And this is kind of the same point, the great contrast between the King Jesus being born in such a humble way. Um, you know, we, we already talked, there was no room in the inn. Um, it's not, that's not really the focus. And this passage here, verse 16, reminds us that he was in a manger, because that's how the, the, the shepherds found him, verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. This is, this is good. This is a very humbling experience. Now, like, just caveat, like, a manger is not like a wooden crib that you see today. Um, years ago, we, we, we built these wooden mangers for our kids to, like, talk about the Christmas story. Like, if we wanted to be accurate, like, we would have gone out and got a big piece of stone and, like, carved out the top of that. I hate to, like, ruin your, like, nativity scene at home. If you want to get rid of that manger, just go out and get a rock and, like, carve out a dish on the top of that, and like that's literally where the animals would eat their food, and so like I would imagine that it wasn't the cleanest, and you can just see Joseph like, what do I do with my hands, Mary? And she said, get that trough cleaned out right there, and he's over there trying to scrape out the food where the animals were just eating. It's like then we're going to lay the king of the world in it, like holy humility, right? Like that's crazy. Um, and so there's this, uh, but that's not really what I want to focus on either. Like what I want to focus on is the first visitors. You may know this, but I find it interesting that like King Jesus was announced his birth, the savior of the world, not to a king, not to a prophet, not to someone with a great social standing, but to shepherds. Shepherds were considered like the lowest rung on the social ladder, like none were lower than the shepherds. Uh, They were excluded. They lived a life that was apart from people. If you remember the book of Genesis, um, the sons of Jacob, so Genesis and even Exodus, um, the sons of Jacob were not allowed to dwell among the Egyptians. Why? Because they were an abomination, the scripture will tell us, to the Egyptians. Now, when we talk about Judaism, not talking about the Egyptians anymore, but back to Jerusalem, and we look at the New Testament era, era, um, the shepherds would have actually been considered ceremonially unclean. And the answer to this, why, because I'm sure you were asking, is because a shepherd had to work 24-7. Um, they had, there was no break. They couldn't take a Sabbath. They couldn't comply with the Sabbath regulations. They were always watching sheep. They had to constantly work. So they were considered by the elite in Jerusalem to be ceremonially unclean, which meant they were the lowest rung on the ladder. I used to work at Target. Um, I love this time of year. This is one of my favorite times of the year. One reason is because you can dress kind of like a Target employee and nobody says anything about it. I actually had khakis on this morning. Tried to pull it off, but there was a stain on them and Rachel said no. So that's, she does a great job at that. Um, but like, it, it, it's, just, it's a great time of the year. When I, when I first started at Target, I was the cart guy. That's what the title was. I think it was on my paperwork, cart guy. I thought, we can come up with a creative name. I will work on that later, but I'll accept the position now. Um, worked there for many years. Loved my time at Target. Um, I wound up doing all kinds of things there, but I was essentially always and will ever be the cart guy. 
I was the cart guy. And uh, there came a time where we needed to hire more cart guys. And so I was friends with my bosses, and like, so, like, I was kind of in on this. And this was kind of fun. Like, we'd be like, hey, we're going we're gonna to interview a cart guy today. And I was like, sweet. Like, this will be fun. Let me kind of, like, watch from a distance. So I watched this guy come in, and, like, if they were asking my opinion, I would have said, this guy's not cut out for this work. Because um, he, I mean, he just, he didn't look like, so my record in pushing carts was 53 carts hand-pushed into Target building. Midwest City, not kidding. I can, I can verify that. We'll fact-check that if you need me to after the service. 53. You got to have somebody steering because you cannot steer that many. But 53, that's a lot, and um, I'm pretty proud of it. But my ego is about to take a hit. Don't worry. This guy walks in, and he doesn't look like he can push three, just my opinion. Um, he walks into the interview. They interview. He walks out, and so I'm standing by one of my bosses who wasn't in the interview, and I'm like, it's walkie time. Hey, and she goes, hey, how did he, how did he, how did he look? And the boss on the other end goes, well... He was great. Like, we, we really hit it off. Like, he's really good. And she's like, okay, so you think he'll be good for carts? And he goes, no. Like, I think, I think he's a little bit of... What? <laughs> you mean below carts, right? Let's stick him over at guest services or something. Well, like, and she looked at me like, oh, my gosh. You weren't supposed to hear that. And um, from that point on, like, yes, my ego took a hit. It was very necessary. But, like, in that moment, I was like, wow, like, I'm a less than right now. Like, I'm on the low end of the totem pole. Like, the cart guy, hey, I have some trash needs to be take out, taken out. Can you come get it? Like, yeah, I guess so, because that's kind of my job. I do what everybody doesn't want to do. Like, I know what it's like to be less than. And I just find it awesome that when God wants to send, and let's not confuse it, it's, it's the greatest news of all time he doesn't send it to the blue bloods in Athens or Rome or Jerusalem, but to the blue-collar workers in a small community of Bethlehem, the low, low shepherds. And I had to ask myself, why? Why the shepherds? And here's kind of what I came to the conclusion of. Like, first of all, can you just imagine how excited the shepherds were? Like, oh my gosh, like afterwards, like the angel appeared to us, the shepherds, like, like it's, it's, it's us, he didn't, it didn't go to the, the prophet, it didn't go to, um, I don't know, somebody else that's really high on the social standing, like it came to us, the message came to us, it was considered, by the way, according to, to Jewish writings, that the sheep that were raised for slaughter, for the sacrifices in Jerusalem at the temple, Remember, there was a sacrifice each day, every morning and every night, that those sheep were raised, it's believed, in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. There's writing to that effect. So effectively, just, just get this, these shepherds, these were the exact shepherds that are going to witness the very birth of the Lamb of God. And watch this connection, like, which is effectively going to put them out of business. Right? Because he's going to do something that will ultimately satisfy the sins. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to, hey, who should we announce this to? I don't know, the guys that are raising the sheep for the sacrifices right now. That, hey, let's go, let's show them the ultimate sheep, the lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice that will, that will effectively put them out of business. There will no longer be a need to raise those sheep for the sacrifice because it will be done through we don't just see the humble beginnings of Jesus, but we also see the hasty response 
of the shepherds. Verse 15, the hasty response of the shepherds. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Without hesitation, without hesitation, the shepherds went to Bethlehem. The scripture says, straight to Bethlehem in some translations. As if not to do anything else, but to go immediately. We all have people, at least I hope, I hope that you agree with me on this. We all have people in our family um, that just need to do one more thing, you know, before you leave the house. Some of you are looking around, don't fight it. Like the whole family is in the car, and um, you're just waiting gently. And um, if, you, if you don't agree with me, then maybe you are who I'm speaking about. Um, my wife and my, my wife took the kids um, yesterday downtown to look at lights. Um, I stayed back to kind of prepare for this and write stories about her. And, um, and like, there was a point in time where she came in the house. She said, okay, this is the last time. I'm actually leaving this time. Um, so she's not like that often. But we do have people in the family that are like that, that we're in the car and we're waiting. And we, we have this saying with, with the kids and stuff, like, what are we waiting on? Like, what are they doing? And they're in the house. And I'm like, we say, like, they're touching the counters. You know, they got to go touch all the counters, just make sure they're still there. Shut all the cabinet, cabinets and drawers and, I mean, just silly stuff like that. Um, but not the shepherds. I imagine like when the glory of the Lord left, they stood up and they said, direct path to Bethlehem as quick as I can get there. There was no confusion. Should we go? I don't know. Let's wait until morning. Maybe there's more light. Um, uh, I'm kind of tired. Who's going to watch the sheep? Without hesitation, they went. And the Bible says they went with haste. The Greek word for that is spuedo, and I just want to share that with you because that's a cool word, spuedo. And I think like even if you don't know Greek, that's a word that you can think, okay, maybe that's like speedy or quick or with haste, right? Um, they, they needed to see it for themselves. And like, here's what I, here's what I noticed when I read this. Um, verse 17, it says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. It's like they didn't burst on the scene and start worshiping. And so, like, there was something within them that was like, okay, I need to go see. Like, I know what's been told to me. This is really a unique experience. It's never happened to me. It's happened one time in my entire life, like, where the glory of the Lord has shown up in the middle of the night and shown light to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and it's kind of scared me a little bit. And an angel spoke to me about the coming son, the Messiah, baby's born. Like, this is the first time, first experience. So, like, I'm going to go ahead and see for myself. Uh, the, the CSB in um, verse 15 is actually, uh, let's see, maybe it's not, I'll keep going. I'll just follow my notes because then I get off track and then you guys are like, what's he talking about? Um, no, in, in verse 17 it says, and when they saw it, right? Not before they saw it, they shared, they saw it first and then they shared the, what had been made known to them, the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Verse 18, um, check this out. Verse 18, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Um, it's this all who heard it phrase that's really interesting to me. Um, because when I'm doing the math with the, the nativity scene that you may have in your own home, like I'm thinking, okay, we've got Mary, but let's pause there for a second. Verse 19, she actually, in verse 19 it says, but Mary treasured up all these things. So she kind of stands in contrast with all these people. So we've got Mary, but we're going to take her off. 
And then you've got Joseph, right? Because it says all who heard it, implying there was more than one, right? More than one person heard the news of the shepherds. And I'm like, well, like, wise men? No, we know that they came later, right? That's, that's, that's old Christmas uh, teaching right there. You, sh- you should know that. If you don't, that's okay. Wise men came later, though. It wasn't that night. Um, so then I'm like, well, who are these other people who are surrounding Mary and Joseph? And so here, listen to this. Um, Chris talked some about the inn. There was no room in it. I read, a, I read a better translation for that word inn this week as caravansary. And so what that means is like it was a traveling caravan. And so like what that actually is, is it was a caravan in caravans of people would travel and they would all need places to stop and when you would travel especially during the time of census when you would travel like you couldn't leave your cat and dog at home right with a sitter like you had to take your belongings you had to take your animals so that they would survive and so you would have people big herds of people with lots of stuff camels and donkeys and horses and 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 just animals that would need a place to be as well. And so you would have these things that are called caravan inns or caravansaries. And so there are ruins of them to this day. Um, you can still see them. It's like the, it would have this big open courtyard with like rooms that would surround the courtyard, almost like circular fashion. Okay, some of you are like, I don't care. Some of you are like, give me more. So I will continue. I will continue for those of you that are saying, give me more. They didn't have like ceilings on them. They were like these big open spaces, but they would have like these blocked off rooms that would surround this courtyard. And in the courtyard would be where people would keep their animals. They would sleep on the outside, looking in. And so um, as, as, as we learned, um, the first week, like childbirth is not typically something that would be quiet. It's not a quiet thing. It's not, shh, Mary, be quiet. Like it's, it's probably going to be a little bit of a scene. And so what I would imagine is happening is that when the shepherds burst onto the scene, there's quite a scene of the people that surround, that surround the caravansary. Most people believe that Mary and Joseph, there was no room in the inn, so they were pushed inwardly to the courtyard and were surrounded by people and into the courtyard, the stinky, smelly courtyard with lots of animals, right? This is the picture that we see. And so when the shepherds come on the scene, they become essentially the first evangelists to share the good news about Jesus. And the people hear them. It says, all who heard it were Mary stands in contrast. Verse 19, she treasured up these things in her heart. So we have the humble beginnings of Jesus. We have the hasty response of the shepherds. And the last thing that I want to conclude on is this. We see this hopeful worship for all. This hopeful worship for all. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. When I first started reading these verses a few weeks ago, this was the first thing that came to mind. So like, you're not getting Saturday night stuff. Like, this, is the, this is the first thing that like, I feel like the Lord kind of showed and was like, hey, Think about this, because this is, this is really neat. I love the irony here in these verses. Um, it harkens back to the great contrast that we looked at in week one. But like, we're surrounded by all this humility. Um, the, the courtyard, um, the stinky, smelly trough that Jesus was laid into, where the animals should be eating out of. Um, the, 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 the lowly shepherds are his welcoming committee, right? Like, this is who, this is who welcomes him, like all this humility, yet it's surrounded by all this pr- 
um, the praise and glory. But when the angel shows up, it's praise and glory to God for this baby. All this humility, yet all this praise. Humility, lowliness, and then praise and honor. It's, it's a weird thing to balance. Like, if you think about it, like, I, like we struggle to balance this too. Um, just a quick illustration to, to kind of point this out. A few years ago, 2020, I think, um, LeBron James won an NBA championship and was named uh, the finals MVP. And I hear this all the time. So some of you guys are going to be like, Josh, you don't understand. But this, I, if, I, if I get this off, then like just, I'm sorry. But LeBron James is being interviewed on the court. And he says, hey, they say, you've been named the finals MVP, the most valuable player, which means like your team won the championship and we picked you as the best player. And how do you feel about that? And he said, well, I'm really humbled by that. And like athletes say this, I don't know if you hear this, but athletes say this all the time when they're interviewed after they've done a great achievement. I'm really humbled by that. And I remember saying to whoever was with me, I said, I'm not sure he knows what that word means. Because being told you're the greatest isn't exactly a humbling thing. Like when we think about humility, it's like a low view of one's own importance. And so like, that's, that's, I'm sorry if you're not a basketball person, like that's the first thing I thought of when I thought of like King Jesus coming into this world. As like everything in the world is saying, this is nobody, right? There's no room for him to be birthed, right? Um, put him in the feeding trough, right? We're, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring the shepherds out for this one. Like everything that we see points to the contrary, but then you're surrounded by all this praise. Like, this is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. This is the Lamb of God. This is who we have been waiting for. Like, I, I, I mean, I, just, I think often of, like, Mary's perspective, and, and Mary is probably much wiser than I am, but, like, Mary, like, thinking, like, really, you, the shepherds? Like, I was told this was going to be the Son of God. Like, I would think that I would have been in Jerusalem in, 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 in this big house with lots of comfortable linen, and, and, and I just... The Son of God. And so what we see, he was, here's, here's why I believe um, that this is, this is the way that it was. Um, because when Jesus came into this world, he brought hope to the entire world. For all people, not just the elite, not just the top of the line, not just the religious, not just the healthy. But Jesus would even tell you, he came for the sick, for the poor. For the broken, for the low man on the totem pole. Um, so he brought hopeful worship for all. So when we see the shepherds as they return to Jerusalem, or as they return to their fields, rather, um, they are glorifying and praising God for all that they have heard and seen as it had been told to them. It's like a worship that represents us all. The, the Gentile, the Jew alike, the high, the low alike. It's a worship for all people because of what they had been told and what they had seen, which was for the, for the sinner, for the rejected, for the sick. And so I'd like to tie this up and make some application for our lives. If I can, if I can, just a moment longer. Um, the moment that the shepherd's night was interrupted by the angel, uh, they began a mission. Um, a mission to seek the truth of what they've been told and then to respond to the truth and then to share the truth. So I want you to notice this transition, because I hope that you can apply this and take it. The angel meets them in the field and shares truth with them. 
they take that truth and they seek for themselves what was told to them, if this was actually true. And then they return glorifying and praising God for what they had said. And so here's, I just summarize it in this way. Truth is revealed. They seek the truth. They share the truth. And they praise God for the truth. The truth is revealed. They seek the truth. They share the truth. And they praise God for the truth. Can you see yourself in this? The truth was revealed to you. You seek the truth. You share the truth. You praise God for the truth. Maybe it's played out for you in that same way. You seek it for yourself. You respond by telling others the truth and you respond by worshiping God. This is at least how I believe it should look. Um, and I think that even, even further than that, like we should resemble the shepherds in their haste and in their path to seeking the truth and even to worshiping God, like, you, you don't need to go touch the counters, right? Like, truth has been spoken to you. You don't need to go shut the, door, the drawers, right? Like, a direct path to Jesus is available. It kind of places life into perspective a bit when you think about your priorities. And I'll finish it this way. This is the same way we finished it, Youth Sunday School. Rachel shared this at the end. I thought it was brilliant and great um, for the moment, and I think it will work here, too. Um, uh, she's recently, we were talking about worship, um, and like, how do we identify like when um, life is out of balance, and when we should be prioritizing the Lord above other things, and she kind of said, um, in a study that she had done with Beth Moore, I think, um, uh, she was, they were talking about that like God doesn't want us to be, like to put him as number one, right? Like, he doesn't want us to put him as priority number one. And then list the other. Like, he wants to be the priority. Like, there's no more one, two, three, well, let me just rearrange and put God in Bible study up at the top this week because I missed it last week. No, it's like he wants to be the priority. Like, it's, it's just him. He sits alone. And yes, you do other things. But like, you weave him into every part of your life. He gets, he's in play in everything. So when we look at the story and we concentrate the, the advent of, of, of worship today and we concentrate on him, the humble beginnings of Jesus, the hasty response, right? Let's, let's, let's be sure to add the hopeful worship in our Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day, for your goodness, Lord, um, just for who you are. Thank you for um, the Christmas story um, and, uh, and just, Lord, the, 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 the hope that it brings um, lots of people that, that seek uh, hope in, in things that, that don't provide it, um, that may bring a temporary satisfaction or, or, um, or even uh, a temporary happiness, but don't understand that true joy, peace, and hope is found only in you. Lord, if there's um, somebody in here that's never, never interacted with the Christmas story, never understood the truth of the gospel, and that is that we're all sinners and in need of a Savior because you brought the Savior into the world, um, a sacrifice that was no longer going to be met through the, the sheep as, as, as the shepherds were raising them in Bethlehem, but it was going to be a sacrifice once and for all, a true, real sacrifice in your Son. It's been made. And that what we need to do now is respond.
in the same way that maybe the shepherds did, a direct path straight to Bethlehem. Maybe some of us have already done that, and maybe we're still in Bethlehem around the manger, and it's time to get up and go. It's time to share the good news with others. It's time to respond to the Lord in worship. May we make this Christmas season not about ourselves, but about Jesus, who showed up to his birthday and brought us, be with us as we now respond to the, to the truth of the gospel. Amen.